When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So how many great albums would you say Nas has had? Damn, Reggie. I think hip hop will always be a void for the people. Yo. Reggie Williams. What's happening, man? Jake Payne, how you doing, man? Doing well, man. Uh, nice, cool weekend here in Philly. Oh, yeah? Are you kidding? Yeah. Being facetious? No, nah, after, like, a record heat wave in July and August, man. It's been two days of, of like, 70s, and it's been perfect, man. I was playing some Quasimodo, which is some good, like, windows open weather. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been a nice weekend. How about you? Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's been good. I'm getting ready to move back to the East Coast. Uh, be in New York for the first time since mid-March, man, which is crazy. It's the longest I've been away from the city in 25 years, which is insane. Mm. Uh, but we'll be on one coast, the Beast Coast, uh, for hmm. the remaining uh, next couple of years at least, which is great, man. You yeah, that's... a classic gang star joint on, I see. Yeah, man, my favorite group of all time, you know. Uh, felt felt appropriate today. It's good gang star weather, too. Why well, is gang star your favorite group of all time? Man, I don't know. You know, the... You know, you and I spoke in our last episode about 1998 and, you know, No Limit at the same time as like Ruckus and Tribe and all of that. I um I discovered Gangstar in the late 90s and, you know, when I was in my adolescence, late adolescence and just the sound, the rhythms, the grit of Premier's music, but also Guru, his voice, his wisdom, his, um, you know, he just kind of felt like the big brother I never had. And by that point... You know, Tupac had passed, and um, yeah, I just idolize those guys, and I've gotten to know both of them over the years. I know you've worked very closely with the group, and that to me is just, that's everything I love about hip-hop, and you know, as I told you the very first time we met, Hard to Earn is, is uh, you know, my favorite album. Amazing, amazing. So your favorite hip-hop artist or just group? Definitely group. Um, Premier is, is hands-down producer, and it's funny because I grew up, um, you know, Dr. Dre is, is right there, but premiere, you know, to this day, if it's released, if it's released radar Friday and there's new joints by Dre and new joints by premiere, I always go to premiere first. I just like, he, he sets the rhythm to life. He's the, uh, orchestrator quite literally. Interesting. That's really interesting. Dre, I think is my favorite producer of all time. Um, Primo's, you know, right up there, but Dre is, is my guy, you know, coming from Indiana, man, like, uh, that West coast sound was what really, I think most people outside of the East coast gravitated toward and just mm-hmm. a bit more melodic, um, uh, you know, um, the cadence was easier to kind of follow, you know, so like the East coast rappers, especially in the nineties, very dense lyricism and, um, artistic for sure, but harder to like, you know, flow to. Uh, so, you know, just gravitated toward that. But, you know, I always loved Gangstar. I always loved Primo for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Pardon me in advance, too, if I end up with a dog behind me. 
now that it's uh, officially uh, officially windows open weather he likes to do that goody mob like who's that creeping through my window (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw theo lurking behind you a second ago man like We got some comments about like uh, his racist attitudes last week. <laughs> Word, I interrupted you though. What were you gonna say? Big, big week for music. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads, and with me have Jake Payne, EIC, and together we are what's the headline? A podcast. And Estio, what's up, man? How you doing, dude? Oh, man, why are you making that cameo? You remember those sketches on A Living Color with Jim Carrey where he tried to get on the news, like come by everything in the background? That's 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 my that's man. Estio, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, man. Lots of lots of great music on Friday. It was like a surprise, you know. And I'm actually surprised it didn't happen sooner, you know, because mm-hmm. typically we talked about this. June is when hip hop starts to heat up. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know if it was because of COVID or what, but I would assume the artists will hold up in their studios just being more creative than ever. But for whatever reason, there was a delay. But I said the last few weeks, we've got some really great stuff. And uh, one of the big ones of this week was Nas, um, you know, dropped a joint with Hit Boy. Um, what was your take on it? Well, I mean, well, we got, we got, let's drop it. Let's drop it because I, I know your take on it, but let's, let's talk about it with, with the fans because... Uh, yeah, I mean, the name of the joint is Ultra Black. We knew um, over the last, I would say, two years, you know, immediately right after Nazir, you know, the Kanye West album in 2018, um, I believe in an interview conversation with Angie Martinez, Nas, you know, alluded to the next album being produced by RZA and Swizz Beats. Um, we got some music on Swizz's project from Nas, even though he didn't produce it. And now this, as I understand it, is the first song belonging to a Nas project that we've had since. Um, and what we learned, and you and I spoke about on the podcast, is his next album's produced by Hitboy, you know, who's done um, some well, tremendous... Since Yay or, or, or no? Do you count the Lost Tapes? Uh, uh, oh, or... touche, touche. Absolutely. Great, great point. And you're absolutely right, because the Lost Tapes weren't... Some of that was new material. Some of that was more recent than the first Lost Tapes. Thank you for checking me on that. I don't want to go out like you talking about Lil Wayne. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but this is, and, and, you know, no matter what, I think we always, you know, kind of look at Lost Tapes as a bit of a asterisk. Like, I don't know that we treat that like a studio album. It doesn't have the, the framing and the narrative. So here we go. Boom. Like the next new Nas album, right? Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Since yeah. Right. And yeah. Uh, since Nazir. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, man, I forget. Um, produced by yeah. Ye. But, uh, yeah, yeah. and, you know, Hitboy, as Nas has said, doing the whole album, done some tremendous stuff with um, the Good Music family, tr- you know, Kendrick Lamar, um, you know, Good Kid Mad City, um, and a host of other people. You know, Hitboy, you know, put on um, a, lot of, a lot of newer artists over the years. So Ultra Black is like, you know, the first full taste we're getting of this. Now, you didn't like the song. You liked now, the substance, but you didn't like the song. Yeah, itself. I like I like the sentiment. So for me, um, you know, I, I think that most hip hop heads um, have a tricky relationship with Nas's catalog. I've never met anybody that said, you know, hateful things about Omatic. I mean, you know, our readers decided it was the greatest album of all time. It's certainly, you know, in my top five, probably my top three. 
Um, and I love other Nas albums. You know, I've been that fan that goes to the store every Tuesday as they're opening the record store to buy the Nas album, even if I had the advance or not. I think that, you know, Nas is a truly exceptional single picker. Um, you know, I know he gets a lot of criticism for his production year, but if you look, especially in the 2000s, I mean, really even starting with, um, you know, with the exception of Nostradamus, but, you know, Nas is like on the IM project, like coming back with Premiere, you go into um, Stillmatic with Got Yourself a Gun, you got Made You Look with, uh, you know, Godson, Hip Hop is Dead, Thief's Theme, like Nas knows how to pick singles. Um, and they really, they really whet the appetite for the album. Ultra Black doesn't do that for me. It doesn't have the, you know, captivation of the traditional, like, pre-album Nas single, to me. Yeah, see, I think this is one of Nas's better releases since, um, man, um, um, Nas' album done. With Khaled. With Khaled, yeah. Um, this was Nas on a beat that, like, actually I could hear playing, be playing on the radio. I could hear playing at a club. Yeah. It was high-energy Nas. Um, he's talking about something. And most importantly to me, and you know, this is the, the, the critique I've had of some of his releases over the last several years, is that he was really locked in on, on, on his cadence. You know, his mm. flow was really um, meshing with the beat. And there have been many times over the last few years where it didn't feel like he was either in the studio with the person or maybe they changed the track out or something like that, but he didn't feel like he was riding the beat like, like he could, you know. Um, and that's a big that's a big part for me. So I thought this was one of his best releases in quite a while. You know, not counting the Pete Rock joint that he did, Queensbridge, um, which was on Lost Tapes uh, too. Projects yeah. or yeah, because um, I think that was recorded back in 2013 or something like that, somewhere around there. Um, something in there, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, um, I, I thought it was a really good release. Um, but so then, does this make your you skeptical of what? the hit boy album is going to be. I don't want to do that. I mean, I'm funny because like, you know, um, I mean, I've had a tricky relationship with the NFL in recent years, but I grew up idolizing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And <laughs> I remember like historically the Steelers would just really struggle in the preseason. And then the season would start and they'd be, you know, many years, not all years, like a playoff contender. So, you know, as much as, as much props as I give Nas for his singles, maybe this is that, I mean, you know, I, I really like the 2008 Untitled album, um, you know, the one he wanted to call the N-word. And, you know, when he his first single from that was Hero with Kerry Hilson. And that was another record that wasn't Nas trying to be, you know, um, you know, Uzi in his army jacket lining again. It was him making a song for those times. And I thought that was a very good album that doesn't get enough. Um, props. This one I hope to hear on radio, but I'm always skeptical. I don't, I don't know that Nas ever embraced like that in the mainstream. And you and I on this platform have debated the merits of singles in general. But you know, I, I'm sure there will be something there. I didn't think that this was Hit Boy's finest hour. I thought that the concept, the, the you know, the repetition. I think that Nas is above. And to your point, I mean, you know, Nas' album "Done" was a really cool joint. I got to look at um, Echo the song that Nas did on Swiss Beats album, um, you know, which was produced by DJ yeah, Scratch, was which was nuts to me. And the joint with uh, Amy Winehouse, was that uh, with Salam Remy? 
Right. Yeah, there was that. And then there was New York City Housing Authority, which was a Dave East Lucy, which we posted on Ambrosia. I really liked, Um, you know, even. uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, Nas has proven himself to be razor sharp. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I really I don't know. But this one, I played it once I knew that you liked it, too, which is something I do a lot with my friends that I have differing tastes with at times, but whose opinions and, and flavor I trust. I played it again and again, and cool song. I'll never be upset about new Nas, but it's not the one that, that you know, makes me chomping at the bit for release day Friday. And we disagree on music quite a bit. It's interesting because we'll often like the same albums, but mm-hmm. we'll end up liking different songs on that album, right? Yes. Um, and I torture you with some of my playlist selections, and eventually I beat you in a submission because you have to listen to them over <laughs> and over again, and you become programmed. Yeah. <laughs> like J Rock, uh, the joint, uh, the the J Rock um, bonus track from um, right. his last album. Well, you remember what it was called, the G Funk joint? Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And you and I, in, in in front of Amanda, you know, had a kind of a <laughs> contentious debate over whether or not it was G Funk. And I came around weeks or months later, and I was like, "Yo, you were right." And then I, um, you know, I I really liked the joint that he did with. Um, What's my man from Detroit that works with Timberland? Um, you know, on the same album, and that was one you weren't feeling too. Yeah. You know. Um, so. Uh, so, do, uh, do you think yeah. this is one that T might, Grizzly? Like, yeah. That that you might come around to, like the the, the Jones like that too, right? Me. Uh, do you think like? That was a great point. That was a really good point, and that was the first single that did not make me excited for Jadakiss's album. And apart from the collaboration with Pusha T, you know, the, the hunting season, that's my favorite joint on the album. Here we are six months later. So it's funny. And I love that. I don't ever want to put my opinions or my taste in cement, um, you know, because the music that I liked, you know, five years ago, let alone five months ago, it changes. It evolves. Maybe. You brought but let me around, too, by the way, like Danny Brown, like his Q-tip album. Yeah. You got me to listen to that a couple more times again. I ended up liking that quite a bit. And there have been, been plenty of other ones, too. I don't know. I guess, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, I think hot takes on music are really tough because, mm-hmm. um, especially with an established artist who you've heard quite a bit, I think that there's an expectation with where they're going to go and the direction they're going to go in. And then a lot of times when they switch it up, we got to just kind of go back and reset and listen to it with a fresh perspective instead of with our, you know, our built-in expectations and it opens up differently. But like, you know, that, that, that's, that's been my, my experience. You know? How much, I mean, you know, you know, I, I said, I respect the content and the sentiment, but you know, for you as, as a black person, you know, did ultra black resonate with you on that level, especially in a year when I feel like that sense of pride and identity is making its way more and more into music. Um, kind of like, you know, dude, I don't know. I've become so cynical. Like, uh, we're in an era where I've seen a lot of stuff co-opted and uh, I always question whether what the message people are putting forth is sincere or just trying to ride a movement. And I don't know, you know, it, it, it struck me, me differently than something like what Rhapsody does because Rhapsody, mm-hmm. like, you know, does that. She, it's about black empowerment, black respect, black self-love all the time. And so what I hear from her, like, it's, it's fantastic, you know. And, you know, like Anderson Pack's Lockdown, which I know we'll talk about in a second, you know, great. J. Cole saying, you know, um, Nas has done it sometimes, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, 
but I don't know. I don't know if it felt like a wave or what, but, but I, um, I was loving that messaging, you know, yeah. um, but it didn't, it didn't strike me in a way that some releases have recently substance wise. You know? I think Nas, you know, I, I think that he's allowed to wear a red shirt, you know, from that because Nas has yeah. always been about that. I mean, even if it wasn't a whole song and he's done songs, you know, especially on that 08 album that I just mentioned, but you know, even his lines, like regardless of what you feel about, you know, if I rolled the world coming off of Illmatic, you know, the the lines about Credit Scott King or, you know, open the cells in Attica, send them back to Africa, like. One mic, I, I mean, he's yeah. got tons of, got tons yeah. of joints, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to say he has. Oh, no, yeah. Just, you know, but I, mean, I could never really accuse Nas of, of, of doing that. Even in, you know, I know the Nasir album that Kanye produced, um, you know, took its lumps in the critical circle, but, you know, Cop Shot the Kid really came at a time when, you know, and especially the video was, you know, the, the mini movie and the video isolated were so jarring to what's going on today, but what was going on in 2018 too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, so how many great albums would you say Nas has had? Damn, Reggie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm going to definitely say, you know, it's funny, like definitely the first two. Um, and I know that, um, you know, it was written is a very polarizing album as polarizing as any album I can think of. I appreciate it more in 2020 than I did in 1996. I just, and I, I love different things about that album. Sort of like we're talking about different songs stand up. So those are for sure two. This is not, people may fight me on this. I think The Godson is a better album than Stillmatic. Um, not a popular opinion. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm going to say three. I, it's, it's, not, it's not by no means my favorite album. Nas has three or four or maybe five albums I listen to more than it. But I think Life is Good um, definitely belongs in that conversation just for being really cohesive, really tight, and very thematic. And as we talk about Wait, so you is that four or three? I'm going to say You said the first uh, two, Godson, or no? You know what? I mean, Godson has like two songs that make me cringe. But I'm going to use because your word was great, not classic. Great, right? Right. Let me put Godson in the equation because I'm lying to myself given the amount of times I've listened to it. I'm going to say four. Four of them shits were due. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to say, uh, okay, so Illmatic for sure. Uh, I, I'm on the other side of it was written, you know, and again, like uh, I should go back and listen to it for fresh ears because to, you know, placing my assessment on myself, I had very strong expectations for what it was written was supposed to sound like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I wrote the world it was very different than that. And so like, and even the Dr. Dre stuff, it just sounded super polished and completely different than, Illmatic mm-hmm. did so like I've never really gotten, kind of gotten over that um, for me then it was Godson um, Stillmatic I like but I have trouble remem- remembering more than like two or three songs off of it you know what I mean yeah. um, so like it's hard for me to say an album is great like that um, and then Life is Good Life is Good to me was and I've said this before that I thought it was the first great uh, grown man rap album you know, he's talking about divorce. He's talking about being a single father, raising his daughter. Um, he's dropping jewels on that album. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was what it laid the blueprint for albums like 444 and 
what Royce has done, you know, to Ponte, come after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that to me is like, that's probably for me, my second favorite Nas album, you know, to mm-hmm. Elmatic. Um, so yeah, that, what is that? Three? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say three. And so our list looked the same. Except mm-hmm. I left, it was written off. Yeah. 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 And I hear you on that. And it's funny. I mean, yeah. And, and I, I watched that discussion go on on Twitter to this day, you know, and, and um, I hadn't, you know, I was, uh, I was 10 when Illmatic dropped and I was 12 when it was written dropped. So I knew the singles. I'm, I'll admit it. Like at 12 years old, I did not own Illmatic. I owned it after um, it was written. So that changes context quite a bit. I mean, I knew like, it ain't hard to tell. And I knew, a couple of joints from like mix show radio, but yeah, I mean, it, it frames things, but it was written. Yeah. You know, um, I've really appreciated with time. Okay. So now I'm gonna put your feet to the fire. Let's change it from great. You did already. Yeah. <laughs> Let's change it from great to yeah. how many classic albums does this have? One. Ooh. You think, okay. Do you think that you're going to get hate for that? Yes. But I guarantee you everyone that would hate that, hate that. Um, has hated somebody else who said it before me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I've, I've made that, you know, I mean, if we're talking five Mike albums, um, one, one, and it's one, you know, um, it's one that not many other artists have something that can be. Isn't that amazing that he has, one in your opinion, but it is still, you know, in a lot of people's minds, the greatest album of all time. I mean, like, yeah. that's, that's, that's crazy. It is. And it's not his best selling. I mean, you know, it obviously spawned a documentary and it's, it's, it's entered the lexicon of, of hip hop fans, but uh, yeah, you know, and I noticed just maybe I'm, maybe I'm, well, do you agree with me? Or do you say I two? do agree. You know, I just looked up um, Life is Good because I wanted to make an argument for Life is Good as well. Um, you know, but but I can't. It has some phenomenal songs on it. Stay, uh, you know, um, Bye Baby, uh, A Queen Story. I even love Nasty, which is the braggadocious, you know, that joint. You know. Daughters is fantastic. Yeah. I love Accident Murders with Rick Ross, although I know that's probably controversial with people. You know, um, I think it has a lot of phenomenal uh, songs, but it's not a classic album. I mean, which, you know, for me, classic is, I'll give one or two skips depending on the length of it, you know, but but any more than that, to me, it's not classic. And, you know, um, uh, Illmatic is, is, is that, it's pretty much unskippable, yeah. you know? I mean, Illmatic, you know, you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find people that can't write out the 10 the 10 songs like you should know them and you should be able to rap along with it yeah and you know i can't do that with a lot of other nonsense things like i know my joints but even godson which i said there's a few joints cringeworthy joints that i skip over but you know i think i can do 60 percent of the album if i write it out in my mind and i've listened to that album a ton i mean i bought it the day it came out so yeah i agree with that and that's just a hard truth and i do think that nas as he's done so many times, whether with a Lucy, with a single, with a guest verse, he can come and remind you why he is one of the greatest to ever do it.
but I really hope, especially now that we see that Nas is completely independent, you know, um, on Ultra Black, I mean, labels are labels, but it, to me, when I looked on Spotify, it says only Mass Appeal, no more Def Jam, obviously no more Sony. So I would hope that Nas has total creative control. And at this juncture, I, I really hope that we get that second classic, you know, which we've seen, you know, we've seen artists do, and he's capable of it. Well, you know, I actually think he probably benefits from a strong A&R person, you know. Um, I think that Faith Newman kind of played that role um, for Illmatic, you know. So, and Extra P, yeah. And, yeah, and, and, yeah, large professor for sure. But, like, um, I don't know. I think maybe he would benefit from that. But uh, is Nas a top 10 rapper? Top 10 MC? Yeah, yeah. And, Can and he be a top 10 MC with, uh, with one classic album? Most definitely. You can be a Hall of Fame athlete with no Super Bowl rings, you know, um, or championship rings. And yeah, and, and Nas has that and he has it early. Um, and I do think he is top 10 all time because I'll say this as a fan, his his words, his verses, his impact are indelible. They're stuck in my head. Um, so yeah, all day long. I don't question that at least. And I don't say that to try to uh, keep the Nas, the Nas uh, hive at bay. do you think so um man um i'm trying to think of people who have multiple classic albums right okay so jay has got in my opinion four are we doing solo artists or no i'm I'm gonna go through Uh, can jay has four well kendrick has four outcast i think has three or four uh a tribe has like um two maybe three. Um, the Roots have one or two, right? Um, yeah, maybe more, yeah. So then you got Wu and all those guys. They, they have one classic album for sure. Uh, Under the but crew if you belt. Put, but if, yeah. you put, if you put, if you break it out into the groups, you know, then like Ray's got one. You know, people might say Ghost has got one or two. What about Snoop? I mean, Snoop and Nas, and I don't mean to derail the conversation, but, you know, Snoop and Nas have very similar catalogs that way. They both live in the shadows of their debut. I think and Snoop has two classic albums. Blue Carpet Treatment? Exactly. Yep. Which yeah. folks, hip-hop heads know, but it didn't have a groundswell around it. Not even even compared to the stuff he did with Pharrell and, you know, like, but, but you're absolutely right. That is... If I'm grabbing Snoop's catalog from a burning building, that's the second album I grab. Okay, Pop has one classic album and one the close two. to classic yeah. album. Uh, then let's go back to the 80s. Let's say Run DMC, I believe, have two classic albums. Um, Eric and Ra. Uh, Eric and Rakim have two classic albums. Maybe three, maybe three. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know, man. You start looking at it like that, I don't know. It, it, I think it gets interesting. But, you know, to to bookend the conversation, you know, this part of it, like, Nas's impact is nuts, you know. And, you know, as an MC is totally different than, I think, Catalog. Catalog matters. um, But even Nas, who is, I don't think there's an artist that can be more criticized for his production choices than Nas. Possibly Snoop. Um, But with Snoop, it's just like, damn, you didn't get Dre. (laughs) And then, and then Snoop continues to duck and dodge that and make other producers great. Um, with Nas, there's there's a there's a host of us, perhaps myself included, that want him 
to work with that Elmatic lineup again um, and hold him to that. And anytime he deviates, we're like, oh, shoot. Um, so I don't know. But Nas's impact, take the way the beats just as an MC, that's, that's cemented top 10 all day yeah, long. I think uh, Eminem and Nas are similar. You know, I would only give M one classic album. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, people, I, I, a lot of people debate even that. I give him that, and I, I think sort of like what you said with pockets close to two. I think the Slim Shady LP is, is really, really, really overlooked, and it's right, right there. But all day long, Marshall Mathers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, all right, so something else that happened last week was DJ Cassidy uh, released a video called Pass the Mic Volume 2. He had done one in May that was R&B focused, but this one was all hip hop. And in it, I'm just going to read the entire list. He did the cypher to end all cyphers, where for 27, 28 minutes, he had MCs coming on and he did a mix where they would actually rap their classic verse from a song. And he had Run DMC, LL Cool J, Chuck D, Dougie Fresh, Rakim, MC Shan, Milk D, Special Ed, Search from Third Base, MC Light, Chip Fu, Eric Sermon, Do It All, Grand Poobah, DJ Premier, Nice and Smooth, Dress, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, Moni Love, Young MC, Chub Rock, Big Daddy Kane, Rob Bass, Kid and Play, Salt and Pepper, Arrested Development, and Naughty by Nature. Like, it was absolutely insane. The concept was phenomenal, first of all. The mixes were pristine. Um, it was unbelievable. But for me, you know, having grown up in that era, like, it was just, you know, it was the best. But how did it impact you? Because most of those people were... You know, you were you weren't even well. You were born, I guess, when some when yeah. some of this came out. But like, you were like a toddler when most. Of no, people. but I mean, as you know, that's the hip hop I love. I mean, and that's the foundation that I really clung to to ever try to pursue this career. And I feel that even as somebody who was younger than a lot of my colleagues, you know, in this eighteen year journey, it made me accept it, and it made my writing not better as a writer, but more informed because I had done the knowledge, so to speak. And um, so I loved it. I really loved it. I thought the concept um, was airtight, you know, um, everything coming back in, you know, DJ Cassidy. And I thought the performances were dope and they just kept getting better. I mean, uh, even Milk D in that like crazy lit studio that he was doing, um, you know, watching Dougie Fresh, like it, it was just, it reminds you in a really emotionally and mentally challenging year, why in the face of quarantine, hip hop's great. Similar to, you know, what D-Nice and Questlove and Beat Miners, Easy Mo B, Finesse, on and on have done. This was just a lot of fun. I agree. And similar to with um, the people you just described and the things they're doing, um, Cassidy's video met with challenges from record companies and music publishers who, I guess, denied some of the rights and because of that silenced, you know, various portions of the video. What do you think about this, man? It seems like the recording industry continues to shoot, or the music industry, I'll say, because it's, it's record companies and publishers, tends to shoot itself in the foot. Like stuff yeah. like this is phenomenal. I have to believe that it uh, re-engages people with the catalog. They go back, they listen to it. Uh, they're getting paid royalties in most instances from this and because uh, most of them have their... yeah. The deals with YouTube, um, it introduces an entire new generation to it. There, there's nothing but benefit. So, what, what do you think about this instance where people like still want to literally like uh, mute stuff that is going to ultimately make them money? 
it's just soulless to me. And when I caught the video, you had texted it to me. I didn't catch that. I don't think it had happened yet, but I think over time those mutes happen. And I mean, this is the same record industry that comes and like, Hey guys, you know, we're, we're hashtag woke. We're going to do away with urban, you know, <laughs> and then you do something like this. And the funny part is, is, you know, a lot of these artists are performing songs that belong to albums that they don't own that came on record labels with bomb deals that you could argue were predatory and racist. Um, you know, EPMD a few years ago came out and said just how bad the deal they had with Fresh Sleeping Bag was. And, you know, anyone that, that knows the music and knows, you know, please listen to my demo, knows how hard E and P and, you know, Kayla Boss went to get that deal. And then here they are. They're just preserving the music. And Sleeping Bag Fresh, I just use them as an example. They've long sold the catalog. The people that own those labels have long profited. And here we are 30-some years later, and you're deading the music. You're deading the very reason that everyone is involved. And it's just corny and whack. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, um, I mean, you just got to let it live. Like, what D-Nice did back in what seems like forever ago now, but what was yeah. it, like a- April or so? Like, March, uh, March, March, April, yeah. Ago. Yeah. Uh, dude, it was healing. It, it transformed, it captured the zeitgeist of an entire nation. My man was on, like, CBS Morning News and, yep. like, uh, like, talking to Oprah. Like, I mean, it was crazy, like, what he did. And then to then have it, you know, be kind of almost torn down because of, like, publishing issues. It's like, come on, man. Let's, let's he, figure this he's, out. he's nominated, if I'm not mistaken, for an MTV VMA. And I know the VMAs are not in 2020 what they were in year 2000, but this is D-Nice. This is the TR-808. Like, this is a guy who's been, you know, 30 years removed from his artistic career, has built something else, and is getting, you know, name brand recognition. And yeah, I mean, and, and just this week, you know, Questlove's been doing it the whole time, and he ended, I think, Friday night with um, a tribute to Dayla. And I think he's be he'll be back, but I think Quest, like any of us, had to take a break. And you know, he's been doing very curated um, themes every night and promoting them. And it's awesome to see, like, you know, he's been doing it whether there's been four hundred people, just like he was when there was over a hundred thousand, you know, yeah. or whatever Quest peaked at you know, numbers wise during quarantine. And it's just a, it's just a, yeah. I hate when suits ruin a good time. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So on the flip side, you know, we had our, our celebration of legacy artists, double uh, XL released their freshman list, which is, you know, late in the game. They typically release in the spring, but I assume they were also were affected by COVID as were most other people, but they mm-hmm. released it. Um, there wasn't a single artist that we covered, you know, regularly. Uh, yeah. You know, you say we've done Chica, but I think that's probably a feature, not more. Not really. No, it was a performance, and I don't know if it was something that was shared um, widely. But yeah, you know, she came when the Alabama, um, you know, women's rights debates were happening, and and went on either Fallon or Kimmel, um, possibly Colbert, and did. And it's gone now. You talk about suits ruining things put a mouth dropping performance on. And um, I think Kevin Cortez, one of our writers had showed it to me and I was like, damn, we got to put her on. But yeah, with one exception, we've never covered any of this year's freshmen. Yeah. So you asked who would AFH have put on? Um, So, you know, I love that concept. Um, And, you know, I used to do something um, back. I don't know. This is before you even started. I used to have a thing called the torchbearers list. 
which is my kind of like answer to double XL's freshman because, you know, from the beginning, you know, I thought there up until like 2011, 2012, the lists were great. You know, they had the like TDEs and the Coles and people like that of the world, but there was a point where it kind of fractured and it became much more kind of wavy, much more like, uh, you know, trying to anticipate like, I don't know. I, it almost seemed like industry plants and things like that. It didn't probably seem, just numbers driven. You no, know. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem as, as merit based anymore. Um, but, and so first of all, let's set the criteria before we start to get into it. But um, like, at what point do you think a person should be considered for lists like these? Because all of these artists have likely been grinding for a few years and, yeah. uh, you know, have you know at least a few mixtapes out. So at what stage do you think an artist should be considered um, for something like this? Like what makes them a freshman, even though yeah. it's not their first time doing it? I mean, it's really tricky. I, I think that, you know, if I'm double XL, it's, I've ne- we've never given these artists a feature, certainly not a cover. Um, but it's, to your point, it's hard to come with just a numerical answer. I remember, you know, not Slaughterhouse, but um, what was it? Joel and Crooked made f- covers, you know, 2009, 10, whenever that was. Um, and I mean, both of those guys, I mean, Joel was putting stuff out on Ruckus in like, what, 2001 or two, and Crooked Eye was signed to Death Row in 99. Um, so it, it gets very, very, very tricky. But I mean, for for all intents and purposes, like, yeah, I think that it's got to be somebody that you don't, your audience doesn't really know, that feels like a new artist and hasn't, it, that doesn't qualify for them stepping on the big stage and just not getting awareness, um, you know? So, I mean, for, before we even get into who we would include, who, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's just very tricky. Um, I do, there's a balance, right? Because you can't just put out people who no one has ever yeah. heard of. You know, it just, you're not going to get engaged on that. And still you do have to like, uh, you know, draw some attention to this. Uh, but you also don't want to like seem obvious and late to it. Uh, it's tougher for our audience because I think that our audience tends to be uh, very kind of discerning and up on things. Uh, in the know. You know yeah. In the, yeah. And so, um, you know, we're a little bit more cutting edge. And so, we, but, you know, it, it, it's still got to, it's got, still got to be that balance. So, um, you know, it certainly could be someone who's been out for several years because a lot of times it takes that long to kind of break through, you know, uh, but I, th- I don't think it's someone who, I don't know, has um, had multiple albums or right. anything like that. So, yeah. But so, that's tricky, yeah. yeah. So with that loose criteria, like, uh, who, over the, and let's just open it up, last few years, would you say would be deserving of a, of a spot like that? Um, we spent a, t- a, a bit of time last in the last episode talking about Shane Noir as somebody that I really think especially – Boom, 2020. Um, definitely her. I think D Smoke, um, who I feel like is maybe getting a little bit lost in the sauce as 2020 ramps up. But, you know, his uh, his album, uh, Black Issues, you know, it, it really, it, it was, you know, it, it continues to stand tall in this. And I think that he deserves it. And then you, you dropped a couple that I think are really um, 100% I agree with. You want to? Well, yeah, and, and also you said Deontay Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, who I think is phenomenal too, right. by the way. And like the people who are not up on that dude need to get up. Like he is 
I, I say in the lineage of Andre 3000 for sure, you know, um, really amazing, amazing artists. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I agree. And then just to your point, just as a quick aside, there's artists that I've been very excited about over the last two or three years, both from Compton, uh, Buddy and Boogie, um, you know, Boogie's Long Beach and Compton. I wouldn't put those guys in. I think they're, they're awesome artists that I'm really excited about. But if you do the work, both of them have five, six, seven years in the game leading up to some big moments that they put out. So that to me gets, gets kind of dicey. Whereas when we're talking about in the examples we just used, those are, these are artists that, that are in the last three, four years, you know, at best. Yeah. Major label releases. You know, it's interesting. So uh, with that in mind, like clearly our audience, if we were to say Griselda, uh, we would think they would think we were nuts, you know, because Griselda has been around for, but you know, if you really think about it, they've only been established, established for like two years. And I Word. still don't believe they have mainstream recognition. Like I don't, I can't hear like a Griselda track playing on Hot 97, you know, outside of a mix show contest. Outside of late night. Yeah. And um, that was the thing too. We covered it last year as a, as a website, but Benny with a conversation after a conversation with Jay-Z reportedly turned down an offer yeah. to be part of 2019's freshman. Yeah. And that changes things too. And, and that probably says a number of things, both about the list as well as do artists really want to be grouped in? Do they really want, et cetera, et cetera. But for the artists that we just mentioned, and, and you have a couple that I, I think we should add. Yeah. I couldn't see any of them turning down an opportunity like that, not because they need it, but because it is the kind of recognition that a platform like XXL could and should offer, you know, talented MCs. Yeah, I mean, so I would put Duckworth in there, who we had mm. an interview, great interview with, like, a few weeks ago. Just super talented artists, uh, you know, capable of doing multiple genres of music. Um, it's really, really uh, amazing. Uh, Toby and Wigway, uh, who yeah. I think is just substantively gifted. His flow is, is immaculate. Like, the dude, his voice is crazy. Like, he is just... He's he's one to watch for sure, and I you know I th I thought he was kind of poised to kind of blow this year, but like everything that's happened, I'm sure. I think he's blowing. Yeah, yeah, he's blowing. And then reason, you know, yeah. you know, reason had me emotional, like uh, you know, listening to his um, the free mixtape. I, I, you know, I played it all summer last year, but it um, was it last year? no two years ago. It was two years ago, um, back in 2018. Um, and then, uh, but that had come out like at 2016, 2017, and then the Soul came out, and then his uh, his project, his official TDE project for Reason, you know, um, I think is an elite MC. So the three of them were, were people that I would add. Definitely, and I mean, you know, I don't know if if we don't know the backstory of this year's list, but if folks like Loot or Earth Gang or were Jid. contacted, yeah, yeah. Jid, I yeah. I can't remember the was Earth Gang or Jid on last year's. I think so. I think, I think, yeah. I think Jid was, um, you know, and Deontay is now part of that, that same, you know, spillage village movement. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and you know what, I, as a freelancer, I did Rod Waves uh, press bio. He's one of the 2020 picks and Rod's put up crazy numbers, but it's not in the, the type of hip hop that AFH really embraces. And what I, I think a lot of our readers favor that might, a lot of these names are probably new to these readers or especially their the music is so mm -hmm. um yeah this was i wasn't surprised but i wanted some more representation from the hip-hop i love on this year's list now what about no name like uh do you think she would fit into that criteria i mean she's also also amazing saba 
Uh, yeah, and there are quite a few like great artists. I think Saab is out at this point, and um, and I want to say that. Why, he why you say that? No, I mean I think first of all I think he was included um, okay. two or okay. two or three years ago. No name all day long, but again, no name is such a such a principled um, person. I don't know that she would accept that opportunity. Yeah. You know, um, but you would certainly put her on an AFH list. Yeah, all day long. And, you know, it's this is a good segue, too, as we talk about, you know, J.I.D. and No Name. Man, you and I had spent some time wondering, where is the J-Rock verse on the lockdown, you know, mix from the BET Awards and all of that? Anderson yeah. With the Anderson Pack song, of course. And boom, here we get it, and we get more than we bargained for. Yeah, man. Uh, so it came out a week ago from Friday. I don't know how I missed it. I don't know why there wasn't more fanfare about it. But so the remix features um, J.I.D., No Name, and J-Rock. Um, Anderson does not rap on it. It just has his hook. Uh, it is a subtle new mix, new bass line. I don't know if you heard, but like, so on the, on the first version, uh, it's mixed pretty dirty and so like it makes your, your your speakers kind of rattles almost if they're blowing a little bit but they cleaned up they cleaned the bass line and then they also like um it's got some like live like improv improvisations in it like that make it more funky um and jid first of all just absolutely destroyed it that that dude is so talented like he he can rhyme with anybody right now he's like at the top of his game and so like on point substantively no name is great, you know, does what she does, always very conscious. Um, and then J Rock, you know how like um in the video and even in the BT Awards, it sounds like he's a little offbeat. Yeah. On this his flow, and which is odd because J Rock's flow is always so impeccable. Yeah. But when it's lined up to this beat, you understand, ah, okay, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect, his his flow. But also, um, you know, it kind of ends in the original version almost like in the middle of, of his verses, like, you, huh, it's like a really kind of abrupt ending, but it keeps going in this. And so like you hear the full verse and he's just, he's spitting game. It's so crazy, man. But it, it, it is, you know, it's been my song in the summer. Yeah. For or, or for sure. Um, and yeah, um, just, it just added to it. I love it. It's up there. I mean, song of the year, very, very, very arguably that and Hustle Don't Give with Shane Noir and Apollo Brown. Um, those are the two with Black Thought on that one. And I'm just like, these are the songs that I just adore in hip hop right now and really will be how I remember 2020. But to get this mix and all those subtleties that you pointed out with, that's great to see because I think that so many hip hop heads kind of long for the days of vinyl singles with the B-side and the subtle remixes and re-recorded verses and all of that. You know, we, we love that about the 90s and to have it and to have somebody with the wherewithal to go hey j-rock like maybe spit it again and like let's tweak the beat so we get him in pocket that's 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 what makes us love what we do yeah it's crazy crazy um all right so you made you had jokes about lil wayne for a second week in a row uh you know <laughs> and uh so i compared lil wayne and michael jackson lil wayne i said was the uh hip-hop version of michael jackson a few weeks ago and now fat joe has compared um, Drake to Michael Jackson. Apparently, he got like just bombed on Twitter for it. Uh, now, what what do you think? You know, all he said was that Drake, in terms of like his sales and commercial Impact. appeal yeah. right now, um, is 
similar to what Michael Jackson's impact was in that decade. So, first of all, do you think this is a controversial statement? No, I don't. I think that just, you know, Drake being so polarizing and to a point Fat Joe being so polarizing, haters are going to hate. What about you? But, okay, why is Drake polarized? Okay, is it Michael Jackson, when he was alive, was an extremely controversial figure, right? The, the plastic surgery, um, you know, people, he had become uh, a punchline for a lot of people. Uh, you know, his skin lightening, uh, the adopting or, you know, surrogates or whatever it was of like two babies who seemed to be white. Um, you know, the having sleepovers at best with tons of little boys. Having most of whom were white, also yeah. Neverland in of itself, man. yeah, and, and then all, all you know, of course, the um, allegations of sexual abuse. Um, Michael Jackson was an extremely controversial figure, um, but then when he died, like all seemed to be uh, absolved until um, recently, yeah, yeah. So, what do you think of, of just that in general? First of all, should a person should we have revisionist history uh, when a person's died? No, I mean, I think we look at the art, you know, uh, and, and that's, you know, you and I have talked about this outside of the podcast, like, you know, Tupac is my favorite rapper of all time. And, you know, if by today's standards, Tupac would easily be canceled, you know, just for his convictions alone, you know, which he maintained his innocence until the day he was murdered. But, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, sit around, but at the same time, if you were to do a documentary on Tupac and not talk about that, or do a documentary on Michael Jackson and gloss over everything that you just said, that's dishonest. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I like rock and roll. Chuck Berry is not, not a, not a savory individual by many measures, but I'm not going to never, I'm not going to mute Chuck Berry, um, his music rather. So it's, it's tricky. And there's people that vehemently disagree with my approach to those things. Um, But yeah, I mean, why do you think fat Joe kind of, caught all the flack was it people saying that it was a reach was it people saying you know i think it's nostalgia i think that uh people romanticize the past and uh glorify you know we've had this conversation many times um with afh um if you step back and look at it objectively i think that what michael has accomplished is um uh or sorry what drake has accomplished is, is, is at least as significant commercially you know, we can argue artistically, right? I'm not going to get into debates over whose music is better, right. you know, Drake it's or Michael debate. Jackson. Because, uh, you know, it's, but like, but commercially speaking, um, first of all, there are the facts. And then also, I think when you frame the facts with the context, which is in today's day and age, there is so much more competition and so um, much less control than what Michael had, you know, when Michael was around, you had, you know, I don't know, seven or eight conglomerates of controlled radio. Radio was the primary way that people got music. You were forced to listen to the same music all day, every day, and you were literally programmed to like it. You know, my comment about beating you into submission of playlists was joking, but that's actually how music works. You know, um, people make you listen to it over and over again and it gets lodged in your head. And eventually you start to like it, even if like initially you wouldn't have, or you wouldn't have had you not been forced to do so. And that's the model that existed back then. You know, you had MTV and, you know, BET and a couple of video shows on NBC and USA. And aside from that, you had your radio. And they were all aligned. Um, most of them were paid by record companies to play specific music to program people. 
And so, um, and the billboard charts were also based on um, records that were delivered to record companies instead of um, actual sales. And so you saw progressions of albums would enter the charts like in the late 80s, 90s and move their way up gradually and become, move up to number one like within a few weeks or months or whatever it might be. Once SoundScan kicked in, which allowed people to actually see records as they were bought instead of um, based on shipments, we saw a complete inversion. And so what happened was that records would debut very high and then drop mm -hmm. off relatively quickly, which is why you know the whole music industry got a wake-up call when NWA, um, the field for Zagging, you know, Niggas for Life, um, debuted. What, number one? Uh, it was either number one or number two, but like okay. people were like, how in the world did this, this album you know, debut this high on the charts with zero radio play uh, from like a gangster rap album, you know, artists that were like had super explicit lyrics and all that other stuff. So it completely changed the paradigm and way, the way people thought about things. Now, fast forward, you know, to where we are now. Music is so fractured. You can get music from everywhere. You can listen to SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, whatever it might be. Um, fewer and fewer people listen to radio and people are completely like in control of how they consume their music. So to penetrate and have that kind of mass adoption is a really uh, monstrous achievement. And Drake um, has had that, that clutch hold on the industry for more than 10 years. More than a decade. Yeah. He survived the times to use Nas, yeah. you know. Yeah. You're right. Like Drake has endured from the era of SoundScan now to the era where Drake can make music that markets itself through TikTok, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and he yeah. has that in an era where music and, uh, and also you got social media competing for people's attention, video games, uh, you know, Netflix, like, uh, you, know, you know, all these different things competing for people's time and attention. So to do, and Michael, okay, let's give Michael, um, you know, from 1980 until 1992 or so, you know, um, you know, that's, that's, that spans from off the wall through dangerous, you know? Um, so he had a 12 year run too, but it was, you know, off the wall thriller, bad and, and then dangerous. So four albums Drake has had, his output has been, astronomical because in addition yeah. to his albums he's been on so many features but like here are the stats right so drake holds the billboard charts record for the most charted songs 209 charted songs of any artist in the history of the billboard hot 100 220 209 charted songs. that i mean that's insane the most simultaneously charted hot 100 songs in a single week which is 27 Mm. Dude had 27 songs in the Hot 100 in a single week. That is more than absurd. a fourth of the chart. Yeah. That's absurd. That that is truly absurd. The most time on the Hot 100, 431 weeks. So you know, nearly 10 straight years being on the Hot 100. That is that is a, it's just crazy. The most Hot 100 debuts in a week, 22. He had 22 debuts in one week. I mean, mm. it, you know. He also has the most number one singles in the hot rap songs, hot R&B and hot hip hop air and play, airplay and rhythmic charts. So like what Drake has done is unprecedented. Like, and to do it in this day and era where you have so many choices, like I don't think that anyone has come close to the kind of attention that he has. So to, for uh, Fat Joe to get hate uh, off even making the comparison just shows how ridiculous things have gotten and that, you know, people just can't be objective anymore. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, people are placing their angst different places. So speaking of Drake, he put out a new joint this week. Did you hear it? I did. I, I really liked it. Um, you know, I liked um, the video, which was fantastic. Um, you know, the song is uh, Laugh Now, Cry Later. Uh, little featuring Dirk. Little Dirk. Um, it was filmed in, in the Nike, empty Nike facilities. Uh, you know, it featured cameos from OBJ, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and Kevin Durant. Showed Drake playing one-on-one with Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant looking like incredible, uh, you know, shooting Jays, dunking, like looking, looking nasty. Um, and apparently, um, you know, some internet stands uh, noticed the fact that there was a new shoe that Drake was wearing, which could possibly be his new Nike shoe. It was made mm-hmm. preview, um, you know, checks over stripes. So after, I guess, Pushy like messed up the <laughs> deal. Yeah. Drake is back with, with, with you know, uh, getting checks from checks, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, uh, it was pretty uh, it was pretty dope. Uh, I'm sure you didn't like it, being Drake. Oh, you hate, like, man. Like uh, man. Really trying to, <laughs> trying to throw me under the OVO you bus. you be the today. first one comment. None of this talking about <laughs> how I'm, I'm whacked for, like, <laughs> comparing him to MJ. I have never left a Finsta, <laughs> Finsta comment in my life. But, um. <laughs> No, actually, I really like the record. And, and you know, Dirk is very much getting at Takashi 6 9 you know, in his lyrics. And Drake in classic Aubrey, Drake Graham form, you know, very cryptic. Um, certainly seems like heavy references to both Kanye and uh, Pusha T, you know, with the Pillow Talk stuff and the Neighborhood stuff, which was obviously, you know, Drake's verse with Travis Scott um, on Sicko Mode is, is what, you know, made Kanye redline couple years ago so yeah there's a lot there and again like one thing whether you like the record or not drake spreads his his shine out little dirk is um an artist who's been winning um you know put on a lot of other artists especially out of chicago with otf and this is the collaboration that i don't think we've seen yet so it's um you know a superstar looking out for another star who's been on a five, six, seven year rise and making, you know, very potent music together, which is dope to see. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, people keep waiting for Drake to fall off, but. I don't think it's going to happen. Man, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's true. We got as close as we saw that with, with, you know, 2018 with Pusha. And, and no, nah, I think Drake is to use a Michael Jackson album title, Invincible, you know, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for that, man. Like, I'm so glad I'm not really on social media. <laughs> oh, man. No, me neither. Me neither. But um, there's a couple other things I think we should talk about just from the week in, in brief. You know, um, first of all, did did you end up catching any of the No Limit stuff? I have not yet. Not. I have not yet. Life's uh, been I'm going to binge it when I can. I like, to, I like to consume everything at once now. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, you got five five hours and uh. And that was cool. That finished. Um, they released the fifth episode last week. And then boom. Um, I keep saying boom this episode. Uh, <laughs> they unveiled the new Rough Riders one. So I caught episode oh, wow. one of that, okay. which is really cool because, you know, the Dean family, Wad Dean, um, or Wad D, um, you know, they, uh, they, they've always kind of played the background. So it was really cool to see um, their roots in Mount Money Earn and Mount Vernon. And you get to hear some early DMX stuff, like, his original demo, which is really cool. Very much, I didn't realize this, but it was very much had like a cool G-Rap um, sort of style in the late 80s, early 90s. And they're kind of getting into X, which is really cool. And then 
just as a little aside to that, um, DNY went on the Breakfast Club this week and revealed something really interesting because a lot of people have been saying, you know, there should be a versus of J and X. Um, and, you know, people speculate that there could be bad blood. You and I talked about it on here, but they actually revealed that when Jay was in the president's chair at Def Jam, DMX had owed $12 million or something close to it to the label. Mm-hmm. And, and they asked if Jay would let X go to another better situation with Sony. And Jay-Z, you know, per X's management, just said, yeah, don't worry about the debt. Just go, be free. You know, go do your thing, which X certainly did in the mid-2000s after he left. Um, so that's cool. And I'm going to tune in for however many other episodes there are, because these are even less than no limit. These are stories that have not been told. And, um, you know, the rough riders made huge impact as, as we all know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Another thing is, um, there's a fresh Prince remake in the works. Um, that news is broken on variety. I think it was, um, and it is based on a trailer that was released by a filmmaker named Morgan Cooper. Uh, last year, which reimagines The Fresh Prince as a drama uh, set now. And it's amazing. I've had the opportunity to meet him. He's an incredibly uh, talented uh, filmmaker, you know, visionary, really great guy. Um, you know, he got the chance to meet Will, which you saw on video, uh, you know, just like a month or so after the video dropped. Um, clearly, they forged a relationship, which is, you know, uh, born fruit. I think the the, the show is going to be executive produced by Will and Quincy and Benny Medina, who are obviously all involved in the original. Um, uh, Morgan himself is going to oversee, uh, you know, the vision of it. And I, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be amazing. So I'm very happy for him. And I think it's going to be great for uh, the fans, too. I think it'll be an amazing show. Very good feel-good story. And it just is a reminder that even as you know, the walls to success seem high at times, you can build something great and change your life, you know, Um, you can, you can do something that, you know, on your own, that, that puts you in, in new rooms, you know, I think in like Ninth Wonder doing the remix on the, on, on Jay, you know, unauthorized Jay and Young Guru and them hearing it and then boom, Ninth got, you know, threats on, black album and it's just an example like that of make something great go for it and see what happens yeah i mean morgan um young man from kansas city and he and his friends just decided to do this and now here we are so working with will smith so yeah pretty amazing absolutely we're getting a new locks album before the month is over uh, yeah. should be their fourth album which um you know living off experience is it yeah uh, it's yeah with an x experience uh, so playing with I mean, it seems like it should be way more than four because they put out so much music you know um yeah 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 i mean they were hemmed up i mean we talk about rough riders they, they were hemmed up under contracts for a lot of years um and i really you know the locks always kind of do this thing where you know jada kiss has been talking about it for two years there's going to be a documentary and a proper rollout and you know with less than a month this doesn't feel like a huge rollout but i really hope the music um delivers you know the the i don't know as we talk about classic albums um that the locks have that under their belt some might say money power respect some might say we are the streets i think those are both important albums but i would love um you know as we talk about veterans making good i would love for lox to you know give us some true heat you know so we'll see they didn't put out any music with it yet as far as i know 
Now, do you view them more as a group or do you, do you think they each have higher profiles solo at this point? I think they came on as a group and I think by virtue of roadblocks as a group that they had beyond their own control, they built out solo careers, you know, um, in a way that, yeah, I mean, I really can't compare it to anything else. Um, but I feel like, you know, especially Styles, especially Jada, I mean, certainly Sheik Luch too has joints, but they all have these meaningful big discographies, but the group doesn't measure up to the sum of its parts. As a brand, it does what LOX means, but I think in terms of an album, um, I don't know that they have that. And I know that there are people that hold money, power, respect in a much higher regard than I do, um, you know, which, you know, point taken that might see it differently, but I think they, they have, you know, two really good albums. I think they need a great one. And I really hope that this, you know, I know that when they signed that partnership with rock nation, there's multiple albums in the chamber, but I would love for this one to be a great reminder of how amazing those guys are at an album level. Cause they've made, I mean, hundreds of songs, the three of them together. So, yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So quickly, some great new music came out. Craig G um, has a song called Limelight and an album on the way. Yeah, um, really Earth put out a new joint. Uh, Rex and Pharaoh Monch had a heater that's on the, uh, the playlist now. Mm-hmm. Blue and Black Soul. Uh, and then, you know, one I want to kind of focus on for a second is Boulder James. Uh, you know, he's another MC who's, you know, been kind of like, just bubbling up and like, you know, seemed like he was going to pop a few times, had the joint with, um, uh, you know, uh, he's got a, a, a album with, with Griselda now, um, you know, and uh, it's called the Versace tape. It's 10 songs, but only 22 minutes. I yep. thought it was phenomenal. I, I, mm. You know, I think it just really like um, suits him well because he's not trying to like mimic Griselda but they got him on those soulful kind of sinister beats and it, I think it really fits the style very well, but what, and he's, you know, he's been on mass appeal in the past and yeah. it's a good, good home for him. So what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, um, it's produced by a producer named Jay Versace. Thus, I think of the title. Um, and this is the first time that I can recall where Griselda's come in and taken an artist. I mean, I'm not including Benny in that, you know, with his obviously, you know, BSF movement, but that they've taken established artists of this level and kind of put them through the Griselda machine. I thought it was a really enjoyable um, album. I listened to it twice. I think, you know, just based on the words you use, I think you might resonate with it more than, than I have. But I think that 2020 is giving Boldy James his year. Like, I much prefer, again, this is after two listens, but The Price of Tea in China, which Boldy released, I believe, in February with Alchemist producing it all, um, which is not the first time they've done a project together. But I think Boldy's having a phenomenal year. And I think that, you know, sharing the spotlight with Griselda at a time when they can do no wrong is awesome to see because he's an artist that's worked adjacent to them and really, you know, cultivated the sound that's now winning. And, um, yeah, Boldy's career has just been – seems like, you know, Nas gave him that huge cosign when he brought him to Mass Appeal in, in the, you know, early 2010s and didn't quite measure up. I think at a, at a mainstream level, I really just hope, you know, Boldy gets that, that proper due, you know, and um, I'm going to keep listening to the tape. And what do you think about that, that length? I mean, we talked about this in the past, like, you know, I think one of the things that Kanye did with 
you know, Nazir and Ye and um, Daytona and some of the other albums he did back uh, a couple of years ago when he released four or five in a row uh, in, within four or five weeks. Um, that seven minutes, 20 to 25 minutes to me is a sweet spot in this day and age. Yeah. Like, um, you know, very few people have an hour and chains to listen to a project. Um, so I really appreciate those real tight projects, you know. Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's definitely artists and you and I've talked about this, like I'm ready for an hour long Royce project. I'm, I'm ready for certain artists, but it gives them a new method to work from. And with Boldy having already put out a really good, arguably great album this year, um, that's perfect, you know, and, it, and those two albums live in different lanes, which is really important. So you can kind of go through and note the progression in the same way a couple years ago, you know, Rock Marciano, I think put out three. Um, and you can go and do that. So, or you got your currencies and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy for Boldy and I'm anxious to see what he does with Griselda, but I, I really like sort of like the mid two thousands. We talked about Saigon and tech nine last week. I like these guys that are winning right now going and using their platform to help other artists that they believe in and making really well done projects. So we're, um, halfway through August, got three and a half months left in the year. Do we get a Kendrick album this year or not? Yeah. I'm going to say no. You're going to say no? I'm going to say no. Yep. I hope so. I mean, we're getting Drake. Um, so that's big. And, and sometimes when an artist at that tier makes a move, it, it upsets the waters to the point where everyone else kind of wants to have the last word. So hmm. we'll yeah. see. All right. So um, song of the week. You go first, man. Man, it's no question. Lockdown remix. You know, I've been yeah. in that joint like ten times in a row last night. Love it, absolutely. Yeah, that was gonna be mine, but so we, uh, I'll, I'll come back to what you just passed through. Craig G. Um, is I love to see the veterans evolving, and I feel like Craig was in the shadow. He was like the you god of the master killer of Juice Crew. So important, but never on a solo album level got his his moment to shine. Even when Marley came back and did one later, and Limelight. Is a song, his message resonance, resonates with me, you know, of keeping your head down, doing good work, don't be out here trying to chase clout. And Craig was also the very first rapper, like professional rapper at a high level that I ever met back in d and studios in 2002. So I've always rooted for Craig and done whatever I can. And it's the song I've played a bunch this week. And uh, I encourage everyone, check out the video, listen to the song. So. Word. All right, man. Well, it was a pleasure. Yo, and, man, uh, safe move this week. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's just crazy. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but 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 yeah, it's gonna be great. So, no doubt, man. Until we meet again. Yeah, later. All right, peace.